Well, good morning, everyone. It's my honor uh, to read scripture this morning, so I invite you to open your Bibles to the second psalm. Psalm 2 can also be found in your pew Bibles on page 568. Hear the word of the Lord. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Amen. Hiya. That was pretty good. Hiya. Now you're, uh, now you're Scottish. Uh, not really, but uh, my apologies to those that were expecting a different sounding Greg this morning, a different accent. Um, I'm, I'm still my same old American. Um, it is great to be back. It is uh, a joy. It's a delight. It's an honor and a privilege to be back. Um, as we were as we were singing and, and praying, and just in these last few minutes, um, hopefully I can say this without with getting through it. The last forty minutes are what we have missed most of being here with you and singing and worship and praise and glory to the Lord. Uh, we have, have desperately missed uh, being here. We love where we are, uh, but uh, we have, have missed being here uh, with our church family. And so thank you for welcoming us back and or welcoming me back. Unfortunately, my, my three girls are, are not here with me this weekend, uh, but we hope to be back later on in the year as a whole family. Uh, uh, this morning, what I want to do is very, in the next 30 to 45 seconds, share with you about what we are doing, and then for the next 30 minutes or so, look at God's Word, because I think that's more important uh, than me. Uh, and what we are doing. So I am uh, with my family. We are co-pastoring a church in the city of Dunfermline, Scotland, and we um, do a lot of the pastoral ministries. I preach every week. I work with the leadership team, uh, which is just three of us, and we work on vision implementation of that vision to reach our city with the good news of the gospel. Uh, Our city is less than 1% in evangelical believers that go to any type of evangelical church. 
And so we, we focus on that, but we also have a larger role within the a denomination called the Free Church of Scotland, where I'm working with um, church planters and other pastors to help uh, equip, encourage, and train them as they seek to share the gospel all over the country. And so um, I, I'm not there by myself in so many ways. EP and, and you as, as individuals and you as a church, you are there with us. Uh, without you, we could not be there. And so the church there thanks you for sending us and for the, the work that you do to advance the gospel to the nations. So, so thank you for that. And um, I'm afraid if, if you have questions, feel free to come and ask. I won't be able to get to all of them because we'll have another service here in a little bit. Uh, but I do want to, to just say thank you to all of you. Let me pray for us and then we'll dig into God's word this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the time that we can be here to sit in front of your word, to sit before your throne and to take in your beauty and your grace and your mercy that you have for us. Lord, we pray that as we look to your word this morning, that you might encourage us, that you might challenge us, that you might draw us closer to you, and that we might be changed by your grace, encouraged by your grace as we come to your word and to your table here this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we moved uh, to Scotland six, seven months ago now. And right after we moved, there was the tragic news of the American missionary John Allen Chu, who, if you remember the story, went to a very remote island off the coast of India and sat down and, according to the accounts, started singing Jesus Loves Me to the folks on the island who then promptly shot and killed him with bows and arrows. And I tell you that and to, to say the response in the British media was very eye-opening because we had only been there a few weeks and so um, we're, we're t- soaking in the different culture and their response to it, the BBC is, is very anti-Christian, and the, their response to it was something along these lines. Why would someone do that? Why would someone go and impose their beliefs on those poor folks on that island that nobody's ever reached, nobody's ever talked to them? They're so remote. Just leave them alone. Why do you, who do you think you are, you rude, obnoxious, arrogant Americans, to go there and to tell other people what to believe? And one interview one morning on BBC Breakfast that I was watching while I was eating my bowl of Frosted Flakes, um, the, the person was talking about this and they said, I'm really glad we don't have anybody like that in our country. And in that moment, I went, what am I doing here? Why am I here? What in the world are we doing? This is hard enough as it is to to move and to start a new life over here, but it's in a different country, in a different culture, with different things and different words and different sounds and smells and taste and all of these things. And then I hear that and I go, why am I here? Why missions? Maybe you've never asked yourself that, but maybe you've asked yourself, why am I trying to live missionally? 
Why, why am I going out these doors and, and thinking and praying about my neighbors and my friends and my coworkers and my fellow students? Why are we doing what we're doing? Because it doesn't seem to be working. It doesn't seem to be having an effect. Why? Or maybe you've just simply asked the question, why in the world should I follow Jesus at all? Maybe you're not in another country. Maybe you're not thinking about how to reach the, the people down the street from you. But maybe you're simply here this morning and you're wondering, you know, this following Jesus thing is really, really hard. And sometimes, if I'm honest with myself, I want to give up. Why even keep following Jesus? If you've ever asked any of those questions, or you've asked, why, should, why even follow Jesus to begin with? Psalm 2 has the answer. Why follow Jesus? Psalm 2 says, because following the ways of the world is useless. Look back with me, if if you have your Bibles open, look back at verses uh, 1, 2, and 3. The psalmist starts out with this question, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and his anointed saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. That idea in verse 2 of the kings of the earth and the rulers gathering together in, in their culture, that would have been the, the culture makers, the culture shapers. In, in our day and age, the, 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 the rulers, the kings, the queen, the, the prime minister, the president, they don't tend to, to create the culture as much as our media and entertainment industry does. So think about that and and when the psalmist says, why are you kings, oh rulers, why are you setting the culture? It would be to us, why is the, the culture setters, the movers and shakers, what are they doing? Where is the culture going? It's going against the Lord and what he has said and against his anointed one. You see, we, we live in a culture, not, not we, meaning just me, but all of us, America, the United Kingdom, the world, the culture is seeking to move away from God. It's not seeking what God has said. This is, this is where you will find satisfaction. This is where you will find fulfillment in life. This is where you will find joy. Rather that the culture is saying, run after all of these other things. All of these things that you think are oppressing you. That you think are holding you back. That the culture says, this is actually what you need. And the psalmist begins this psalm with, why? Why? Because all of these things that you are doing are in vain. Why do the nations rage? Why do the peoples plot in vain? We live in a culture that's lost, that desperately is longing for something, longing for what I've already said, the satisfaction, this joy, this fulfillment. And yet they keep going after these things. And we think, oh, well, maybe if we don't have God, we'll find them. We, we live, now when I say we, I mean me and my family, we live in 
a culture that has long forgotten about God. One of the, one of the cool things that I get to do as part of my, my job now is that I get to go into a primary school with 300 elementary school age kids. It'd be from kindergarten up to sixth grade is primary school in Scotland. And so Jeremy and I, the, the guy we work with, we were the chaplains of the school. And so we get to go in. So the first chaplaincy, um, we have 45 minutes every couple of months. The first time we went in and we talked about the Lord's Prayer. And we shared the gospel through the Lord's Prayer. And we asked 300 kids, how many of you have ever heard of the Lord's Prayer? One little girl raised her hand. One little girl. And she came up and she recited it in front of her entire class. And we went, where did you learn that? She's like, at the Catholic Church. Awesome. Good for you. It, we live in a, in a culture. Part, Renee, as she was, was meeting people in her high school, and they would say, well, because we don't sound the same. To, um, I don't think I have an accent. I've never heard it. Um, they, they swear by it, that we do. Um, and so when, when they hear, they go, oh, where are you from? Oh, you're from America. Is it anything like High School Musical? No, it's nothing like High School Musical. Um, you know, what do corn dogs taste like? Well, I don't know. That's gross. Um, why are you here? Oh, my dad, for his work. What does he do? He's a pastor. What's that? What's that? He works at a church. Oh, you mean like that big old building in the middle of town? He, does he work there? No, he works at a church. We've never been. I don't even know what a church is. We, we live in a culture, and America is not much different, folks. We tend to think maybe we're, we're not as bad off as we, we are, but we are. We live in a culture that doesn't even think about God and is trying in vain to do all of these things. And do we see the, the vanity of that in people's lives? Does it break our hearts when we see them running after these things? Because they are, uh, as people, as human beings created in the image of God, they are precious and loved and valuable to God. And he has sent us to go and to share our story of what Jesus has done. Not arrogantly, not boastfully, but simply saying, here's the story and inviting them into the larger story of what God is doing in the world. And yet, they keep going after so many other things. And it's all vanity. It doesn't work. It's like me trying to buy a car. Not here. I had a great plan. I had a wonderful plan for my life. In the first few weeks, I was going to sell our cars here in America. Uh, Lori, Lori Nelson, are you still in here? You might have stepped out. Uh, Lori bought one of my cars. I saw it in the, in the car park a little bit ago, and a little tear. That was my car. Um, we sold the other one to CarMax, and we're, I was going to have this money set aside. I was going to go. I was going to buy a car because the steering wheel is on the other side of the road, other side of the car. You drive on the other side of the road over there. And so I went. I looked at the cars, and I went to the dealership and went, "Okay, I want to buy this car." And they said, "That's great. Do you have a British bank account?" No. Sorry, you can't buy the car. <sighs> well, why not? You have to have a British bank account. 
Well, I can't get a British bank account because I don't have an address. And I don't have an address yet because I don't have a bank account. And so we're stuck in this vicious circle. So finally we get, after a couple of weeks of renting a car, we get the bank account set up because our leasing agent gave us our address and a piece of paper and said, here you go. And I'm like, yeah, we got a bank account. So I went and we, we can't find something that will take care of what we need because the cars there are cute and small and they're awesome. Um, but we can't find something that we can afford because they're expensive. And so I go to the car dealership, and I'm like, I, I really like this Ford Focus thing here. Can, can we buy it? I'm going to need to take out a loan. Oh, great, a loan, not a problem. We love loans here at, at Arnold Clark. And so would you, uh, how long have you lived here? Three weeks. Mm. You have no credit history. But, uh, but I, have, I have really good credit in America. Doesn't go across country borders. You're, you, you don't exist financially in this country. And finally, I just decided we can't do this. We can't do it. I said, well, well, what about, what if I just, what if I pay on a credit card? Oh gosh. And I have to pay that interest. Is it based on a UK bank? No, sorry. And yet I kept looking at cars. I kept longing because the people at, as wonderful as Enterprise Rent-A-Car is, They have way too much of my money because I could not buy a car. It was all in vain. I kept looking at things that I wanted and yet couldn't get it. It wasn't possible. And that's what we do. That's what the world does. We look at these things that we think will satisfy us and fill us, and yet we cannot obtain it. It never was meant to satisfy it. Why, the psalmist asks, Why? You're plotting in vain. Why do the nations rage? And we're lost and hopeless without Jesus. I want to finish that story because I'm prone to um, start stories and not finish them. So I want to finish this one. Um, Jeremy, the guy that we work with, saw us in our predicament. He's a car guy. He loves cars. Uh, He goes to car auctions. And so after a few weeks, we went to a car auction. And we're going to bid on a couple of cars. And we lost both of those. And I went, this is, uh, the the Lord just wants me to walk. I think that's it. And he says, no, we're going to figure this out. What do you, what do you need? I was like, well, I need a car, but for that, I'm going to need a loan. And I can't get a loan because I don't exist financially here. And he goes, hold on. Okay. How much do you need? What? (laughs) Yeah, I got you a loan. What car do you want? but I can't pay for it because yeah, we'll, we'll take care of that. Are you, are you kidding me? No. I had to have somebody step in, somebody who has a UK bank account, somebody who has the wherewithal to, to be able to phone someone to say, hey, could you help out this guy who is here and he is hopeless he can't do it. He, we have to have this in order for the, this ministry to work. He's got to be able to get around. What can you do? And he took care of it. God has not left us hopeless. Here's what he says if you go back to the passage. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury saying, As for me... I have set my king on Zion, 
my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your, your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. Why missions? Why missional? Why even follow Jesus? Because Jesus is on his throne. And he is ruling and he is reigning over all things, even right now, in the midst of what looks like complete chaos in our world. Jesus rules and reigns over all things. God says, I sit in the heavens and I look at what you're doing and, and the frivolity of it all, the, the, the vanity of it all. And yet, here is what I have done. I have put my king, the king of kings and the Lord of lords over all things. I have set him on Zion. And you know who this king is? He is my very own son. And he has his foot over all things. I mean, think of this, that our universe, not just our planet, not earth, as it spins around, but the whole universe where we sent the, some of you that might work for the NASA, that we've sent the little space probes out into space and, and one, I think, just like left our galaxy or something after traveling a bajillion miles an hour for decades now. And they're like, well, goodbye, it's, it's gone. It's the farthest it's been. God puts his foot over all of that and it's tiny in comparison to who he is. God is the one who is seated on his throne. And he has said, this is my son. Now ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage. The ends of the earth your possession. Why missions? Because the world is is living in vanity, but because God is on his throne and ruling and reigning over all things. And he has said, because of that, it's the part of the Great Commission in Matthew 28 that we, we, we gloss over to get to the go therefore and make disciples of all nations, which I think is from Psalm 2. We miss the part above it where Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine. Jesus is ruling and reigning and therefore he says, go. Go and live missionally go and follow Jesus even when it's hard even when it hurts even when it makes you want to weep because of the things that you miss and love about the last decade of your life even in that Jesus is ruling and reigning and he says go to the nations Renee has this verse Renee's for those of you that don't know Renee's my oldest daughter she's 14 Um, And she has this verse written down on a piece of paper and she stuck it up on her wall. And I I was a couple of weeks ago, I'm like, I got to figure out a sermon to do do when I go back to EP. And what should I preach on? And I, I walked out of her room and she has there on her wall, it's a different translation than the ESV here, but it says, give us the nations. And she said, dad, I put that up there so I can pray about that every day when I walk out of my room to go to school. It's amazing. Do we pray 
God, give us the nations because you are the one who is ruling and reigning. The ends of the earth, your possession, your inheritance. God is bringing together people from every tribe and every tongue and every language on the face of this planet who will gather before his throne and we will have an amazing worship service that will never end before this son who sits on the throne. And he gives you and me the opportunity and the privilege to tell that story to a world that longs to hear it. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that God's overall story, we get to tell our own little story in the grand scheme of all things to share the beauty and the power and the majesty of Christ. It's what we have the privilege and opportunity to do because Jesus has made it possible. But how has he made that possible? It's what we've sung about this morning. It's what we've talked about some already this morning. It's all by God's grace. How does this happen? It is by the invitation of God who says, I see you in your predicament. I see in the, the vain ways that you are trying to, be, to get back into relationship with me. And yet I have set my king, my son, who rules and reigns, And I want to invite you to come and to share in what he has done. It's in these last words, in these last few verses. Now, therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. He's hearkening back to verse 2. These same kings, these same rulers, serve the Lord with fear. Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. But blessed are all who take refuge in him. Did you hear that? Kiss the son. That same son is the same one from back in verse uh, 7. The Lord said to me, you are my son. He's speaking of Jesus. And he invites this us to come and to kiss, to be in relationship with the one who is seated on this holy hill who is seated above all things. And how do we do that? By our works? No, but we try. We try so often to earn God's love. And yet we never will. We can't. But God has given it to us freely by his grace. Why do we do missions? It's because of grace. It's not so that I don't stand here as somebody who goes, you should be like me because I've made it farther than you. I haven't. My sin is so much more real to me now than it has ever been because of what I've done. Don't do this. (laughs) It stinks. But Jesus is so much more real. So, amen. But God offers his grace. So if it's not my works, what what is it then? Is it my guilt? Is it because I feel guilty that God sent his son to die for me? So maybe I'll do it out of of guilt to, to talk to my neighbors or even to follow Jesus. Guilt doesn't work either. But grace, 
Grace is what brings us to God and grace is what keeps us moving towards him. Grace is why we follow. Grace is why we live missionally. Grace is why we do missions because God has seen fit to send his son to die in our place and that in turn, we, through believing in him, could, could be made righteous, could be made perfect, could be made holy. That we, right now, if you believe in Jesus, you're as holy and perfect as you ever will be, all because of grace. And we live out of that. I saw the most remarkable thing. Maybe, I think it made it here uh, to the U.S. on a couple of news broadcasts a couple of uh, months ago on the aforementioned BBC breakfast program while I was eating another bowl of Frosted Flakes, I came across a gentleman um, named Tony Folds. Tony Folds is an 82-year-old gentleman who lives in the city of Sheffield. Sheffield is about uh, two hours south of us, about halfway to London from where we are, um, And so the host of BBC Breakfast, his name is Dan Walker. I'll mention him again in a minute. Um, Dan was out walking his dog in Sheffield, and he came across this 82-year-old man who goes up to a stone monument every morning. And so Dan just had his conversation with Tony, and then it ended up on BBC Breakfast. You see, Tony Folds, when he was eight years old, was standing in that field after having a scrap with some pals after school. A scrap is a fight. Um, so he had a fight, and he's standing in a, in a park. So don't think American parks with, like, playgrounds. Think, like, ginormous fields. Fields so big you could land airplanes on. Because on February the 22nd, 1944, Tony is standing in this park when a B-17 flying fortress coming back from a raid over uh, Denmark that was severely damaged was, came over the park. And so the, the, the folks in the front of the plane started doing this. And Tony and his buddy that they were having the scrap with see the plane come over and they start waving. The plane circled around and comes back again. Comes back a third time. Just makes it over the, the field and crashes into the trees just above the park. For 66 years, every day, Tony has gone to a monument that he has built to the 10 crew members of the Mi Amigo that crashed on February the 22nd, 1944. And he goes up every day and he says, the first thing I, and you can YouTube this, it's all over YouTube. Um, He said, first thing I do, I kiss it. And I tell him about my day. I tell him about, oh, the weather's rubbish today. Oh, this happened yesterday. He's like, they are my family. And Dan Walker, the presenter, goes, Tony, why do you do this? Why do you do this every day? And Tony goes, you're going to think I'm pretty daft for saying this. But the guilt is overwhelming. Because they died because I didn't get off of that field. You see, when they were doing this, they were saying, move, because we're trying to land. And instead, they died because of me. 
And Tony, with tears running down his face, goes, I have tried to live the best life that I could. And I've tried to honor their memory. And I love them. But the guilt is overwhelming. And this went viral. Because Tony goes, the only thing that I want is on the 75th anniversary, February 22nd, 2019, a week and a half ago, I want there to be a flyover. Well, the U.S. ambassador got involved, the Air Force, the RAF. They had a flyover and then some. But one of the most amazing things that happened, Dan and Tony did the interview circuit all over different TV networks all across the U.K. And in one interview, and I I haven't been able to find this one on YouTube or I would have shown it to you this morning because it's so powerful. Dan Walker, the host, who is a believer, He looks at Tony and all the interviews before this had been, why do you do this? Because of the guilt, because of the guilt, because of the guilt. And in this one, Dan Walker looks at him and says, Tony, what if on that third go around, the the men in that plane said, if those boys are there, we're going to ditch it in the woods. And they didn't die because of you, but they died so that you could live. What would you think if that was the case? And, and Tony, who, who shakes, began to really shake. And he began to weep. And he said, no, that's too much. If that was true, it'd be the most gracious thing ever. And that would change everything. Grace changes everything. It's why we do what we do. It's why we follow after Jesus because he willingly came and said, I will give my life for you as a ransom for many so that you could be saved. And grace changes everything. That's why we follow Jesus because of his grace. And do you know what he says? He invites us. Come, come and kiss the sun every day. Just like Tony does with the men of the Mi Amigo. What is, in a sense, he, he, he gathers and worships because he's thankful, he's grateful. Why do we do? Because we're grateful, we're thankful, and we want to worship Did you know that Tony in his mind had a little bitty flyover planned? And he's like, I just just want there to be, I think it was a C3. Was that the planes that that dropped the parachute folks at D-Day, the the, the C3 cargo planes? There were F-15s. There were Typhoon uh, fighter planes from the RAF. It blew him away. But what really blew him away? His story got out. There were over 10,000 people in that park all there because Tony shared a story. We have an even greater story. Not to minimize that story. It's an amazing story. But we have an even greater one. And we get to share it. And wouldn't it be something if there were 10,000 people that gathered to come and to kiss the sun? May that be true of us. May that be why we do what we do, because grace changes everything.
Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love, your goodness, your compassion that you give to us. Father, I I am grateful for grace. I'm grateful for the grace and the mercy of my brothers and sisters here at this particular church, for the brothers and sisters 3,500 miles away that are now a part of our story and the story of what this church in particular is doing as the story of the gospel is going forth. Father, help us. Help us as we wonder why keep following you? Why live missionally? Why even serve in missions in general? It's because of your grace that you lavish on those that are lost. Lord, that is what you have done for us. Help us to share that story as we rejoice in who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.